You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill here. Thanks for coming back. At Mariners Pod on Twitter the place to be you can follow me as well at gary hill jr same with instagram gary hill jr thanks for being here as the mariners get ready to take on baltimore for the first of three the mariners off yesterday so no game to review we will preview quickly the three games coming up for the mariners this will be a challenging series against one of the best teams in the american league baltimore's been fantastic here's what else we have for you think you like it so brendan ryan is going to be here aaron goldsmith caught up with brendan ryan it is highly entertaining as always but especially he goes into depth talking about what it was like playing behind felix hernandez during his perfect game it is really really good i love the insight and it's fantastic i think you'll like it so that comes up in a few minutes josh kearns goes uh just another fantastic piece he is so good with these, and this one's about Mariners care. That comes up in a few minutes. And Rick Riz catches up with Brett Boone. So a couple of former Mariners infielders on this one. Yes, so this will be fun. So starting tonight, the Mariners take on Baltimore and what is a very intriguing series. Baltimore has played fantastic baseball so far this season. It lines up like this, 405 first pitch tonight. Wade Miley will go against Ubaldo Jimenez. And then on Wednesday, Taiwan Walker will take a crack at Chris Tillman. And then Thursday, and that's 405 too, Thursday day, 935 first pitch. Nathan Carnes will get the call, and he'll go against TBA. Baltimore still hasn't announced their starter for morning baseball coming up on Thursday but it's going to be a challenge because Baltimore first of all offensively really tough I mean Manny Machado is having an MVP type season you cannot have a conversation about American League MVP without Manny Machado he's batting 333 11 home runs 15 doubles this year he's knocked in 25 having a sensational season playing his stellar defense of course he's Played shortstop now. J.J. Hardy went down. He's on the DL for a while. So Manny Machado has been playing a ton of shortstop. Uh, of course, Gold Glover at third base. But he's he's been fantastic. Chris Davis doing his home run thing. He's bashed nine so far this year. And then Mark Trumbo, the former Mariner, is having a ridiculous start to the season. Not only with the long ball, 11 home runs, which he's done in the past, but he's batting for average too he's over 300 batting 307 with those 11 home runs Baltimore really bashing the baseball Adam Jones 
got off to a really tough start. He is just one of the most consistent hitters in baseball the last few years. When it comes to hitters, he's been as consistent as they come. But he struggled to start the year, batted – well, his batting average sunk to 198. I mean, May 7th, not that long ago, but – since May 7th, Adam Jones has really turned things around, and his last 36 plate appearances batting 441 with four homers, a couple of doubles, 10 runs scored. And now that his bat is aflame as well, it makes pitching to this Baltimore team extremely difficult because you have a number of guys who can hurt you with the long ball at any moment. And then mix Adam Jones in, and they're very tough to pitch against right now. And speaking of pitching, Chris Tillman is having an excellent year. Eight starts so far, an ERA in the two fives, but he's been able to keep the ball in the yard, and that has been so key for him, something he struggled with in the past. He's only allowed one home run so far this season. Maybe the maybe he's due to give up a few to the Mariners. We'll see. But he has been huge for this team. The rotation has struggled at times. Uh, Kevin Gossman is healthy, and he has been key in five starts, an ERA of three. He's uh, talked about his breakout for the last couple of years, and maybe it's coming. Gallardo's on the DL, so they're a little bit thin in the rotation, but they've made up for it with the, the best bullpen in the American League by ERA. Zach Britton is one of the – best closers in the game and really underrated and I'm not sure if he ever makes any sort of list but just a ground ball king and here he is with 10 saves already and a 176 ERA but he's getting plenty of help Darren O'Day has been so consistent the last few years Dylan Bundy remember their can't miss prospect from a few years ago he's been hurt so much remember he was the very first pick for Baltimore in the 2011 draft, the fourth pick overall, but has just struggled with injury. He stuck with the club because he was out of options. I mean, they didn't have a choice. It was either uh, try and put him through, which he wouldn't have made it through with his talent, or keep him in the pen, and he's really been thriving. 2.03 ERA in 10 games so far. Seven strikeouts in 13 innings, but He's had some success so far, and just as a unit, they've pitched very well so far this year. So they've been able to hit, they've been able to pitch, and at that ballpark, pitching to that lineup is going to be a challenge for the Mariners. And the M's, of course, coming off of three losses to the Angels, swept aside by the Angels, and now they'll try and get back on track in Baltimore. And then on to Cincinnati for the weekend, but I'm very anxious for this series. I think it's going to be an interesting one. We'll see how Miley does in Baltimore, a tough place to pitch, especially a home run park like that. So it should be a very interesting three-game series with Walker and Carnes on the heels of Miley as well. So we'll be watching closely again. 4.05 first pitch tonight from Baltimore. So that's our quick preview. So let's do this first. Let's hand it over to Aaron Goldsmith with Brendan Ryan. Brendan, it is always a supreme treat to have you here on the pregame show. And uh, we saw the the wire transaction come through just a few days ago that you had been acquired by the Angels uh, coming over from the national system. And I thought, 
Yes. <laughs> pre-game show. Brendan Ryan, <laughs> highest rated pre-game show in all of baseball. What's it like your few early days uh, in an Angels uniform? In all honesty, that was my first thought, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a wild three days, man. It's It's been crazy. Um, you just never know, man. You just never, never know. You keep plugging away and try to keep a positive attitude and, and work hard and hopefully – you know, good things happen, and, and uh, I said a couple extra prayers, and, and uh, wow, there's actually a pun coming here, right, with the angels? Um, and and they were, the prayers were answered, I suppose, so um, I'll try to keep the cheesiness to a minimum, but uh, <laughs> but it was it was a very, very exciting 1.30 in the morning phone call and 6 a.m. flight out, and, uh, and then, you know, of course, I look at the schedule, and we get... Um, my parent club in the Cardinals, they're in town. So I get to play against Yachty and, and the gang. And, and uh, of course, I get to the clubhouse. I see Albert, you know, the reunion of sorts. That's <laughs> what he calls it, too, I think. Yeah, right, yeah. this time I was clothed, though. And, uh, and so, anyway, then we get to play the Cardinals. We didn't win any games, but it was still pretty fun to see the guys. And, and then, of course, now we've got... We've got uh, the Mariners up in Seattle, one of the best cities in the in the world, I'd say. And uh, we get to go home and play the Dodgers. So, I mean, it just – I don't know why I get to be so lucky. I don't know how this happens, but I'm here, and I couldn't be happier about it. And tell us about the phone call, how you got the news that you had been traded and were going to the big leagues with the Angels. And it sounds like there was a lack of power, a power outage in addition to all this. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, very uh, – very accurate. We, um, the, well, yeah. So I get the call at like 1:30 in the morning, but before all that, it took a while to get out of the clubhouse because we lost power in the stadium and the surrounding blocks. So guys are like showering with you know flashlights and in the in the you know from their phones and, and nobody can. I was just a mess trying to eat. It was a typical AAA type of story, um, and all the more fitting for me to have been there, but but. but uh, uh, yeah, so I get the, you know, I was kind of hearing from my agent, like, hey, you know, be on your toes. Something could be happening today. I had no idea what was going on, that Simmons had been hurt or gotten hurt and blah, blah, blah. But um, I guess they were working on it with the Nationals. And and uh, next thing you know, um, you know, I get a call from, from both sides saying, hey, you know, thanks. And, you know, we've, we've traded you to the Angels. And, and then... Uh, Hey, you're on a flight in a few hours, so you know. Um, but it was obviously super exciting to um, to get that call. But you know, I hadn't seen my family in, in since March. I got a 17 month old at home, and I, I you know obviously missed him. So I got to see them right away, first thing, and uh, it's just been an amazing three days. And how is fatherhood treating you, Brendan? <laughs> you know, it's funny when I was coming up in St. Louis. I was told by a couple of the minor league coaches to absolutely never reproduce. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so uh, nah, anyway, I didn't follow those instructions, but uh, it's been a blast. It really has. I got the energy for it, and uh, every week has been like a whole new experience. Um, I feel like my wife's outnumbered now. You know, it's been it's been a blast. <laughs>
Brendan, not only were you a part of two perfect games in one season, you were a part of two perfect games in the span of just a couple of months. The first one, Philip Umber of the White Sox here at Safeco Field, April 21st, 2012. You began the game on the bench that day, and then with two outs in the ninth inning, you came off the bench, you pinch hit for Muninori Kawasaki. So the question is, Brendan, did you swing or did you check your swing? Because I don't think any of us have ever seen Brendan Ryan more upset than with that decision by the home plate umpire. <laughs> Oh, you know I can't say anything on the record. <laughs> of course I didn't go. Uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought I ruined it. I really did. I know I just totally contradicted myself. I guess I was trying to. I, 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 I really thought I wrecked it. Um, I didn't feel the need to run the first because I felt like if I was safe by 10 steps, it was still going to be out anyway, the way it was going. So... Uh, I just took all the credit away from Humber, um, and I didn't mean to, but I'm still bitter, and that's as honest as I can be. Um, I, I I don't know if I've ever been so excited for an at bat, you know, to to have the opportunity to wreck it. That at bat was lost, I suppose, in hindsight, when I foul tipped that three-one fastball. I just thought for sure, and there's no way he's chancing throwing a slider here. 3-2, two, two outs in the top in the bottom of the ninth with it all on the line. And he did. And and whatever. You can Google it and make your own judgment. But uh, I thought I was sort of a hero there in that moment and it was taken. But I'm not bitter. So so you are pinch hitting when Umber is one out away from a perfect game. Forget a no-hitter from a perfect game. And by the sound of it, you are walking inside the batter's box with every cruel intention to spoil that perfect game, without a doubt. I've never been so determined to ruin anything in my life and <laughs> not succeeded. I, um, <laughs> I, I was mic'd up that game, and yeah, that wasn't working because that game was flying by. And uh, I, so Wedgie tells me, hey, be ready. You might, you might hit for Mune if this thing gets real at the end. And... Uh, so, you know, I got in the cage, got ready. Here we go. It was, it was just like the movie. I thought I was like the, that rookie punk kid with no batting gloves coming up to spoil it. and like Dropping down a bunt. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I, I, I spat on a couple sliders, and I got the count and favorable, you know, to, to me. And, and, uh, eh, and then history happened. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. At least it got went in that order because Felix was next. So, but yeah, I, I was. <laughs> no, I'll just leave it at that. You've played behind so many elite level pitchers and have helped to make them better with your elite glove. What is Thank it you. that stands out to you that is so special about your time playing behind Felix Hernandez? Well, that was kind of you. Thank you. Um, well, a couple things. You know, his his um, competitive spirit you know what it means to him and and there were plenty of times where we were you know out of it and uh we you know we weren't going to make the playoffs but he's still competing his butt off um giving it everything he's got because because it matters to him um he knows it matters to the to the rest of the guys and to the fans of course and um you, you have to respect that um what i also loved in playing behind him was making a play, and whether I made a play or Seeger or Goody in the outfield, whoever it was, 
it wasn't just like, okay, on to the next pitch. Like he was fired up. He was making eye contact with you. He was grateful and it mattered to him. And that made you want to make, you know, that next play that much more for him. And I, I really loved him showing that emotion in a positive way with his guys. You were, of course, the starting shortstop for Felix's perfect game just a couple of months later here at Safeco Field against Tampa Bay. When you go back and you think about that game, what immediately comes to mind? You know, a couple things. People forget about the first play of the game. It was like a 10-pitch at bat by Sam Fold, and he drove a ball yes. to the gap. And uh, Eric Thames. Eric Thames made a running catch on the first out of the game, and that, that obviously... It would, <laughs> would have been a whole different game had that not happened. But um, that was a huge play. I thought, in my opinion, that was the play of the game. Um, you had a couple weird things happen. That was kind of one. You had uh, Joe Madden try to stall after a call, after a strikeout or something, somewhere later on in the game. I can remember people trickling in more and more, whether they were at work and were hearing what was going on. But I remember the, bo the base, the bottom level, filling up more and more with each inning. Um, I remember an incredibly intense, like, uh, sense of pressure to um, try to remain relaxed and 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 not get stiff or caught up in the moment. That's the hardest thing, you know. I'm a huge sports fan, so I, you know, whatever sport it is, I'm getting caught up in it. I'm turning the volume up. I'm all in, and to be, you know in the moment in the game you know one of the players the hardest part to do is to separate the moment you know the emotions um from you know the job at hand and and that's when things can get hairy and and you know your hands can turn to stone or your feet get heavy that kind of thing and and uh you know i just kind of try to not think about it and, and crack a joke to, to Ack or Kyle or whatever. And, and then to them, I don't know what they're thinking either. I mean, these guys are early in their careers, and I, I don't want to look, you know, nervous or anxious. I want to come off kind of, um, you know, like goofing off a little bit to, to just kind of relax everything. And, and uh, But I remember once we got to the seventh, it started getting – real and and it, it was like I, I mean i'm still to this day that was the most nervous i've ever been in a game because you really feel like all i can do is ruin this or do my job like i can do my job or ruin this and i uh, so so it was just like i just i really wanted to stay calm and relaxed and and uh um I was able to do it, but it was it was a you know, it was it was one of the finest, coolest moments of my baseball career. Uh, right there at the top of that first hit, first homer. Um, I have the, I have a lineup card from that game, with the game ticket and uh, Felix's jersey, and he he signed it all and everything, and and it's stick everything stickered and it's hanging up in my uh, man cave still. That's that's. Right there with the Cal Ripken jersey being uh, two of the coolest things I own. It was a, a very special day and, and uh, one I certainly haven't and will never forget. Brendan, it is always such a treat. Oh, it's man. great to catch up with you as always. Thanks so much for making some time for us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always good catching up. And now Josh Kearns with another beauty.
You know, we all end up with a bunch of stuff we no longer want or can use, and the Mariners are no exception. Just like many of us, they clean out the attic every once in a while and try and sell some of it, like this past week when they held one of their semi-annual garage sales out on the concourse at Section 128. As baseball goes, players move from team to team occasionally, and uh, we have uh, a closet of uh, just just so big, and so we, we try to uh, pull that stuff out and, and get it in the hands of fans and, and hopefully raise a little extra money uh, at the same time. That's longtime community relations manager Sean Grindley, who organizes the semi-annual garage sale along with other charity fundraisers for Mariners Care, the team's charitable foundation. Some of the stuff has obvious value, like an Ichiro autograph ball that went for 200 bucks. But you have to wonder now who'd buy something signed by Fernando Rodney or an autographed camouflage jersey worn in the 2013 Memorial Day game by long-gone Lucas Lidke. Surprisingly, though, Grindley says hardcore M's fans scoop most of the stuff up. There may be more fans of Ichiro uh, than, than Lucas, but there are fans. And, you know, a lot of times a kid just wants a baseball. And it, it doesn't matter. And uh, if you can buy a baseball and the money goes to charity, that's that's what we're all doing it for. The garage sale's just a tiny piece of the Mariners' overall charitable efforts, though. Last year alone, Mariners Care raised over $1.2 million for over 1,500 local organizations ranging from the Boys and Girls Clubs of King County, Cystic Fibrosis, Seattle Children's, and numerous others. Joe Chard is the Mariners' vice president of corporate business and community relations. You know, I think we donate around you know five thousand auction donations a year. You know thousands of tickets. Obviously, uh, our players are involved with at least one uh, charitable program a year. Most of them more. Coming up, we have the the United Way uh, softball game that'll be here at Safeco Field that, that raises over a million dollars a year to help try and end youth homelessness. Now, this guy has one of the best jobs in the world. He gets to find ways to help as many people as possible while overseeing corporate sponsorship sales at the same time. I would say the majority of our corporate partners uh, have some type of a program, whether they're raising money or collecting items uh, that we you know, have have the ability to go and support community organizations, whether it's, you know, uh, Holland America with Case for Kids that donates money to Seattle Children's Hospital or PACARS, RBI for Literacy. It might seem like old hat to tie in charity and commerce, but when Char joined the M's more than 20 years ago, there really wasn't much of a connection between corporate sponsorships and charity. His background heading nonprofits, though, played a big part but he says, really, so did the new local ownership group that bought the team back in 1992 because they were dedicated to their hometown. Uh, we had a meeting uh, with the new ownership group, and, and really the second most important thing to the group was to be a leader in the community. So it's really you know, one of the pillars that the Mariners are built on, that this will be a focus uh, for our players uh, or organization. And whether it's big or small, Chart says everyone in the M's organization bends over backwards to give wherever and whenever possible. I can tell you personally, every time over the years I've asked for tickets or special experiences for a cause I'm involved with, like my daughter's school auction or a visit for a Make-A-Wish kid, there's never a hesitation to help. You know, we try and do uh, what we can for as many charities as possible. Sometimes when we meet with people, we, we may not be able to do exactly what they want to do, but our goal is with everybody to try and do something to support them just because, you know, that's what's, what part of being a, a sports team is, is all about. And let me tell you, when you see a sick kid step on the field with their family to watch batting practice and Robinson Cano or Nelson Cruz comes over and takes pictures, the way their eyes light up is so powerful and the impact is so tangible. Of course, getting a selfie with Aaron or Rick can get them pretty pumped as well. 
And it's just moments like that that you realize Mariners care is more than just a tagline. For the Mariners Sunday Magazine, I'm Josh Kearns reporting. And here's Rick Riz with Brett Boone. Always nice to visit with, well, a young man who made a lot of history here, especially back in 2001. He was such an outstanding second baseman for a long time and now back in town. A chance to visit with the Boone, famous for the bat flip and hitting home runs and driving and runs. And Brett, it's great to see you. Welcome back to Seattle. You know what? It's really cool to be back here. I just, it's kind of home for me. And I just love being here. Boney, what was it like walking into this ballpark, doing what you guys did? back in 2001 winning 116 games how special was that year for you and your teammates before 2001 I I just thought you know I didn't believe in team chemistry I just thought you you get the best players out there and you roll over other teams 2001 changed my opinion of that we were a great team we had batting champs and MVPs on the team we weren't the greatest team of all time but we had a camaraderie where everybody got along with everybody else, everybody had everybody's back. It's something that you can't really explain. And I think by midseason, we kind of realized that, like, we're going through something pretty special. And we didn't really think about it much. It's just like, let's just keep playing. Let's keep doing what we're doing. You guys had a lot of fun. Right now, the Mariners are having a lot of fun. First place in the American League West. But let's talk about something special that you came up with. You wrote a book called home game about your life in baseball your family in baseball from your grandpa Ray Boone to your dad Bob Boone to you and your brother Aaron Boone what sparked the interest to put things down on paper and write this book I'm not a big book guy you know I've just seen so much negativity when guys get out of the game and they write books and that wasn't my motivation it's not about telling what went on in the clubhouse for me what goes on in the clubhouse that that's sacred territory Uh, For me, it was about just telling my story, and it's like, you know what, my grandpa's been playing since 1945. To present date, we're still relevant, you know, with Aaron doing Sunday Night Baseball. And I just want to tell my story, what it's like to grow up in that atmosphere and behind the scenes and, you know, the talks at Thanksgiving and Christmas and comparing Mickey Mantle to current day players, you know, with grandpa. It was fun. It was fun, you know. God rest his soul. And I just wanted to write something, and to be honest with you, I was really pessimistic going into the writing of the book. When it was finished, I was actually kind of happy with it. It's like, no, this is accurate. It's honest. And it just kind of tells my story. And, you know, I think a lot of people would love to read it. It's an easy read. And we'll see. We'll see. A lot of people will read it. I started reading it. It's a wonderful book. What was the most fun part about looking back on your career, especially here in Seattle, those wonderful seasons that you were here? I'll tell you what. I came back here in 2001, and I loved hitting there. You know, it it is a big ballpark. The way the the city engulfed me and, and welcomed me, I'll never forget that. I mean, they just welcomed me so much. And, yeah, I had some great years. So, of course, the city's going to love you when you have great years. But it was beyond that. It was like, no, it's just real people, you know, interacting with me. And and I just loved it. The, the, the teammates I had, those memories will never go away. Special time, special people. That's all I can say. Cool, cool times. Great time in your life. You were such a part of the fabric of all that success writing this book what are we going to learn about your grandpa your dad your brother what are we do we are we going to learn anything more about brett boone well i think you're going to get a little behind the scenes look and you're going to get a little education you know 
but most of all, it's 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 about my family. It's about growing up a grandpa and, and learning about Ted Williams and Mickey Mantle and how proud he was of his generation. And then, you know, to the present, to, to my father who would argue with my grandpa. And it was awesome at Thanksgiving to, to see dad argue and say, Steve Carlton's got the best slider in the world. And my grandpa, oh, that isn't that great of a slider. And now to present day, you know, to when Aaron and myself were playing, you know, the players are better. And I'll tell you what, I've only been out of the game eight years, but the pitchers are better now than when I was playing, you know, and it's going to continue to get better. It's, it's, it's just the progress of the human anatomy. It's just all engulfed in one. I think, uh, I don't know, it's just a cool book. It's just a cool book, learning behind-the-scenes stuff about the Boons. It's going to be a lot of fun. Started it. I Not can't wait booze. to finish the Boons. <laughs> Home game. It's all about Brett Boone, his brother, his dad, and grandpa. And where can anybody find this book? Amazon, anywhere great books are sold. Am- Amazon, but I, I think what the guys are telling me, it's brettboonbook.com. That's where you go, and I think it's on Amazon, and I think it's on you know, I think you can get it at Target or Barnes and Nobles or all those places. But I think if you go to breadboonbook.com, it tells you where to get the book. So, I'll tell you what, Bunny, you had great success out there at second base here at Safeco Field, especially in that magical 2001 I season. I don't know about. I, I get two hits tonight, Riz. I get two hits tonight. You just put me in the ice tub. Okay. Bring me back a week from now. All right. Sounds good. Bodie, you had great success here. You're going to have great success with a book. It's titled Home Game. Thank you so much, and we wish you all the best. Great to see you, buddy. Riz, love you. Thanks for having me. Here comes the right-hander stretch. And the pitch on the way, and a swung on, and the game is over. Boone may have hit it out. It will fly away. Brett Boone has hit it with a home run. My, oh, my. Would you believe it? The Mariners score Olivo, they score Hanson, they score Randy Wynn, and Grandma get out the rod grad and mustard. It is grand salami time, the first grand slam home run that the Mariners have hit all year long, and it's a game winner. The Mariners win it by a score of 8-4. to four. My, oh, my. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.